This is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Steve Cloward. Is that how I pronounce your name, Cloward? You nailed it, yeah. Cool. You're an entrepreneur, and uh, the topic today uh, we're going to get into is um, we're going to get into this right here. Rewiring my mind lets me stop uh, letting my past get in the way of my future, which I think is a cool thing, or how you came to your life after 14 years of addiction, 14 months in prison. So... Uh, we wanted to get into that, but we also want to let people know we're a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. And uh, if you use the coupon code of Ghost, uh, you can uh, get one month free premium subscription. And so that's something we always let people know. We are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. Within a couple hours, we'll be on Newsly tonight. You can listen to Family Electric Ghost on Newsly, and this episode will be there. So again, if people can check out your um, your website, um, for those of you who are on the audio podcast, we have a web link up www.mindsetisthekey.net. So if people actually go to that mindsetisthekey.net, what do they find there? Uh, basically, that's just a, a page that they'll be able to put in their information and get a free book that I wrote about mindset uh, after, you know, some of the things that helped me kind of, you know, reclaim my life uh, once I realized truly what the problem was. Yeah, it's always good to find out, you know, because I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. So there was oh, wow. a crucible moment in my life when I was 27. And it kind of caused me to get to where I am today. And people, have, you know, you could have a disease like cancer or you could have an addiction. You can have things like you had Crohn's that kind of led to an addiction. So yeah. I can understand, like, there are people who have cancer because of the pain. They can get addicted in the same way. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm totally familiar with, with that kind of what that route was, you know, you know, surviving that. I, I was able to kind of change my mindset. I totally understand that because the person I was pre-cancer is not the person I am today. It totally made me less fearful. I, I oh, actually yeah, yeah. became a podcaster, became a musician, did stuff that I was afraid to do. I lived in Japan for two years. I wouldn't have done that pre-cancer. Isn't that but, interesting? Yeah, I get look, it. <laughs> once you survive something, you get past that crucible moment, then you say, wow, I can actually do things I didn't think I could do. But, you know, we will talk about like how, what your perspective is on that. Yeah, certainly. In fact, yeah, with uh, cancer, I definitely see that. Uh, I, I, my best friend from high school, there's a picture on my office wall right over there. I lost him to cancer. But it was interesting to see, you know, how when he was diagnosed, just how important things became that we all take for granted. You know, not only... Yeah family and where we focus our time and things, but what we put in our bodies, you know, and mm -hmm. just to see what it, you know, how something can just rock our world to the core to where, man, it doesn't take but a split second to just become determined that you make that change. My situation was really different from the mindset piece. Um, you know, when people, you know, go to my main website or hear my podcast, Life After Addiction Indictment, they think, just, you know, it's natural to think I went to prison because of my drug use and things, which was not the case, actually. I'd been sober for years, um, and I ended up going to prison over a big mortgage fraud case. I had a real estate appraisal firm, and and uh, six guys working for me. Long story short, that my appraisal firm, due to some properties that we appraised and they funded loans off of, when they're big jumbos, you know, they require two appraisals. They fund off the lowest of the two, which they funded off my guys' appraisals. And the 
the other appraisers, there was two other appraisers that did, you know, these secondary appraisals or the ones that were higher, I should say. And they were also invoicing the guy that was doing these double closes on these properties, 5,000 appraisals, which is basically enticement because he was telling him he'd pay them that, which, mm. you know, we didn't get paid anything other than the normal fee. Um, but because they funded off ours, that's why I was thrown in that situation. And what happened with my mindset was, you know, I was, it broke me, to be honest. Um, I remember my father was a dentist and I retired. I remember him telling me, and this was before I went to prison, that he didn't know, he kind of lost who he was. He didn't have an identity since he wasn't Dr. Cloward anymore, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't really understand that until I came out of prison. And of course, I couldn't be in a you know, appraiser anymore. So couldn't have a license to do that. So here I was just kind of twisted in the wind and I, I totally got what he was saying. And then of course I couldn't have my own business for some time until I got off probation. And, you know, so I just ended up getting a job at a, a neighbor's company, but you know, when you're in prison, it's pretty, you know, you'd be happy to, if you could leave, you'd be happy as hell going to work at McDonald's or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's just so total crazy. Yeah. But and it's total, so crazy how quickly that perspective changes once you're back on the streets though, you know, um, but I would have done it certainly. Um, but once I got off probation, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but a lot of that was because I didn't, I lost my confidence too. Mm, yeah, I would think that could shake your confidence when really, your whole yeah, like you had been at a certain place and you kind of fell. Yep. And then you got punished by you know the legal system. Yep. And then you have to pay that price. And then society after you leave, they continue to punish you exactly. because then they restrict you what you can do. Yep. And so you have to probably get into being become an entrepreneur or be satisfied of what work you can get. Um yeah. And so it seems like the entrepreneur route might be the best way to kind of get your independence again or get, feel, start feeling better because yep. then you can, you kind of control like we're as an artist, like I'm a producer, I'm a musician, I'm a podcaster, have yeah. my own kind of business. And, and you know, and those, those things make you feel good because like, you know, and I still have a side gig, but you know, it's when you can control your own fate, exactly. that can build your self-confidence. I can oh, see so how true. that can help. That can help you. Yeah. And I, and I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. You know, I started mowing lawns when I was 13 and dragging the lawnmower around the neighborhood. And, and that's when it all started. Um, but when you lack that confidence, you know, it really holds you back, even though you've been there, done that. And, you know, one of the things that I really let hold me back besides my mindset was I forgot how hard it was in the years it took to get to the place that I had gotten. Mm, and so over I expected it, you know, and that's what hurt me because I expected it to just be like that when that wasn't ever reality in the first place. And so really the thing that made the difference was just learning that the way to build the confidence was to do the little things each day that we take for granted or we blow off because they don't seem important. And I'm talking things like the benefit you, the work on you, you know, mm -hmm. what we're yeah, putting yeah. in our mind, whether it's reading, whether it's listening to specific podcasts that will help you out, um, exercise, you know, just those little things that when, you know, over time, it, the compound effect isn't just real with money, 
you know, it was real with this situation. I, of course, ended up getting coaches and things. Um, and it took me, I, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I kind of sat in a victim stance, to be honest with you. And I frankly was a little lazy due to the lack of confidence, I think. And finally, I was with this group of guys in this coaching group. And, you know, I've, I've always believed in investing in myself. And I just decided it was time that I was going to give it everything I had, regardless, you know, and I wasn't comfortable doing that at the time, you know, because I knew that that group had entrepreneurs who were doing well. And so I was intimidated, but I just decided I've got to lean into that fear and it'll help me. You know, I've, I've yeah. always known that, that, you know, the things that scare us and are hard to do are the things that, you know, help us. Well, grow. Fear, fear is the big ceiling, you yeah. know, yeah, because a lot of times it's like when I come in on my cancer, like it was on my back and I wow. couldn't move for like six months. I was on my back. Wow. And and what I did is I was a mountain biker uh-huh. and I actually bought a frame while I was on my bed for six months and Ooh. I would buy components every Ooh. week and build and, and, have, yeah, and in, in anticipation that when I get out of that bed, I'm going to build this frame up and I'm going to start biking again. Man, the power and of that. I, I had that plan, and I just, you know, that wasn't a monetary thing. That was just a goal Amen. to get my, you know, my body back. And, you know, the first ride I ever did, it, like, I hardly could get anywhere. Yeah. And I didn't give up. It's just like, you know, and I would feel sick. And, you know, you had to build yourself back up. It's like a rocky thing. You kind of, you got to build your momentum. And it was like, I couldn't really ride with my partners until I got to a certain place. It took me months oh, before yeah. I could actually get any other guys to ride with. But it was just that goal, setting that goal, and it was hard. You know, you get a couple, yeah. like you know, you don't even get a mile, and then you had to stop. Yeah, you know, you could oh, give up, take an action, or you keep on going. You know, yeah. that, I think that mindset, right? And that's the difference between the person that would be in your shoes that would lay on that bed and just say, "Don't, not going to do anything." You know, you know, when I get better, if I get better, they might even think, which is going to affect them from getting better. Yeah. You know, then they're going to struggle like crazy. And, you know, the fact that you, the key is taking action, even if it's just little and focusing on those little wins, you know, it's so easy as I think human beings, they, you know, they say the subconscious has somewhere between 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day running through us. And about 97, 90% of them are frankly negative in, yeah. you know, to protect us. And so pessimistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you're not aware of what's happening, it's kind of like addiction until you realize you have a problem and admit it, you're not going to get over it at all. And if you're not paying attention to what's happening in your mind, and if you grab onto those negative thoughts, most people, and, and I'm guilty of it for sure. That's what was happening. And I'd be lying if I said it doesn't happen occasionally, you know, I catch yeah. it nowadays pretty quick, you know, but you take yourself further in the negative and that's how you get yourself in a place that can get pretty ugly. That's what I think with the whole mentoring thing, you know, like being a producer, I'm kind of like a teacher when it comes to like music. And what I always run into like a lot of young musicians is like, they'll, they'll give me all this stuff. Right. And they're like, they're kind of scared to show me something. I'm like, Hey, the thing that you're scared to show me, I want to see, I want to hear that. Yeah. I want to hear the thing that you're the most fearful (laughs) Of showing anybody it's because so what i find with musicians is the thing they think nobody wants or to hear 
is actually it. That, the thing, right? like, that is the thing that makes them who they are. Isn't that interesting? But, but they're so always true. like scared of it because they're trying to compare themselves to other people. Yeah. And then I try to equate that. I was like, well, that's very similar to like when I'm doing my day job and, and I'm a, I'm a, a designer, I design software. And oh, wow. you, know, cool. you get people who are scared of ideas and you get some guy is like holding on to something and it's like, hey, you know, bring that to the table, raise your hand. Yeah. Because like the things that people always keep are fearful of usually are the things that actually bring things forward. Yeah. They bring you bring your life forward too. Cause like once you actually get more comfortable, then you find yourself like, Oh, I can end up being in this position and I even thought I could be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the fear of worrying what others will think is the worst fear of all, you know, because the truth of the matter is what, we believe others are thinking 99% of the time they're not thinking dick about yeah, They don't even know that you're thinking they yeah. think the worst of you and they don't even know anything about you. Yeah. And so you're getting, you're coming into the table and you're thinking, Oh, they all see me as this. Yeah. And then they, if you ask them, it's like, well, I didn't see you that way. And you're like, yeah. Oh, you know, cause you probably think the worst of yourself, you know, that, that's, that, that tend to be a, a problem. You know, the people tend to beat themselves up. Yes. Sure. And you got to, they always talk to these therapists, oh, love yourself. And then people say, what's that? That's yeah. like, like that psycho battle. But it's real. The Absolutely. people who really make it actually have a certain level of people would think, well, that's arrogance. It's not really arrogance. It's like, that's confidence. Know. Exactly. Like, there's a certain level of confidence. If you ever look at musicians, like, how, how can Mick Jagger, like, swagger on the stage like that? Yeah. Because he had to get that certain level. And you could say, well, he's arrogant. Yeah, but he's doing it. Yeah. So you think, like, how did he get to do that? And you look at musicians, they have to get beyond that fear to be able to feel that comfortable on the stage. Yeah. You know, it's different like, levels of who could be a Jagger or a Bowie or, you know, whatever. Sure. Like, yeah, that, that is a certain thing you can connect to that like, you do have to get to that certain level to believe in yourself. Right. And, and there's no doubt there can be arrogance in some people, but most of the time it is confidence. The people that are judging them and thinking they're arrogant, if you really look at it, and there's a great author lady out there named Byron Katie. And, you know, when I read her book, she has this thing called the turnaround. The simple way to put it is there's questions she walks you through, but if, when you answer them, you realize you're really talking about yourself, not the person. So it's that old saying, you know, when you're pointing one finger at someone, you know, you got three pointing back at you. And that's really the truth because we are speaking negatively about others typically because of the lack of way we feel. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, the haters. It, like yeah. if you think about it, like everybody I tell them, like when they're talking to creative people, it's like you got to think about like you're a creative, you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to be criticized. Yeah. Everybody, the critic that comes at you that isn't a musician, that, does, that never picked up a guitar, never picked up a piano, and then they're going to say something. Yeah. It's like at least you put it out there. Exactly. And, you know, in different time periods, some people go back and, you know, Led Zeppelin showed up, critics hit them hard and said they were terrible. Now you go back and act like they loved them. They yeah. didn't. They didn't say they were great. They actually said they were the opposite. So wow. then over time, then they suddenly said, oh, they're awesome. It's like, really? That's not what you said in 72. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. You know, yeah. so you got you to gotta believe in yourself. <laughs> so true. Yeah. But the old, like I said, the, the the thing that finally did it, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm going to hire this person or that person. And, you know, the bottom line is no one was coming to save me. You know, it's up to us individually. 
you know, and then one of the big things that, you know, I, I did when I was working with that group of guys and um, I created what is called a conscious self-creation statement. And that is things as simple as just think of the I am's or the I have's and speak as if you already are in that place. You, you know, it doesn't matter what it's about. It can be financial. It can be spiritual. It can be mental. It can be relational. It can be anything. Um, and so I created one of those and I, you know, like I said, I didn't have confidence. I was struggling financially and I just got to the point where I memorized that. And they said, you know, for it have the most power, if you see it, write it, read it and hear it every day. Yeah. I didn't do that. It. You make it yeah, manifest, exactly. you know, you kind of, you have to self-actualize. Exactly. And you have to like, you know, what people don't realize is like, when you actually speak out your objective, yep. you don't keep it inside. You actually verbalize it. You actually, you know, write it down. You act, but even it's more powerful if you actually verb, you know, actually vocalize it. That's what I did every day when I got in the shower. So I did say it and I heard it because I'd say it out loud. So yeah. I stepped in the shower, boom. Something I in your brain when you actually say it. Yeah. It does something rather than just thinking it. Yeah, words have power. And I don't think we as human beings understand. I, I, I'm convinced 100% we're energetic, spiritual beings, and everything's energy, and that's how it works. And so when you put it out, because I, I remember when I first saw the movie, you know, The Secret, The Law of Attraction, mm -hmm. and I totally bought into it, but I didn't, you know, to the level, there's a difference between, between you know, saying, yeah, thinking, oh, I'd like this life, and I'd like to have this, and I'd like to be married to this, and have, you know, this family, or whatever it is. That's one thing, but you have to really go to the next level and put yourself emotionally how you would feel if that's where you were at. And, you know, I can tell you when I started doing that statement and focused on how I would feel and, you know, how I would have more confidence, the anxiety would be, would be you know, gone, the, you know, the stress of finances would be gone. And two years, within two years, I had everything had shifted to everything I said, but two things. And those manifested two years later, but you know, I can't deny really, that. Well, know. the thing is like, you know, being a musician, we can believe in like, you know, the idea of like um, the muse. Yeah, uh -huh. the muse is this kind of like universal thing that all artists, like when we pick up our guitar, pick up our piano and we can just improvise. Yeah. Cause so we can cool. kind of feel everything and it really what it is is like all that practice we did yeah but then everything we love like all the musicians that we were inspired by and then the moment itself yeah so when you trust yourself as an artist you know that i can just start playing something and it will just fall together and yeah. you don't start and stop because it just kind of comes oh. together you trust your instincts and you just go with it and yeah. it just becomes this thing it's like well how can these guys do that because you start to believe in yourself and you just go with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then jazz bands, it's like everybody kind of can do that. You know, you just, yeah, that is so cool. You, mean, jazz you, just, yeah. you just flow and you're like, everybody just kind of feeds off it. And you're like, wow, we didn't even plan it. And it's coming yeah. together because there's a level of trust. Yeah. You got to trust yourself. You trust your other fellow musicians and you start thinking like a team. It's like a sports team. Yeah. You start to just trust the instincts of your fellow members of the band is like, you know, members of a team. And yeah. if you can think about, if you can work in, you know, 
a job like that or what you want to do. And you can get people around you that kind of have that intuition and that belief. Then yeah. you can be very powerful. And, and he's like, instead of having the naysayers, they're saying, oh, well, what are you doing? Well, why are we doing that? We're starting yeah. to stop and start and stop. And it's like, yeah, it's good to self-analyze. But there's right. certain things that you got to learn how to like, kind of kind of run with it. Yeah. That's in fact that that that's what I got stuck in a bit was, and I called it surface distraction. You know, there's a, you know, you have to be willing to take massive imperfect action. You know, and I always because I lacked confidence and I wasn't sure. You know, I'd waste my time on the things like, oh, well, I better get my website up. I better get business cards. I better get this. You know, all these dumb things that don't you got to make money. So you should be focused on the money making activities, which is sales, you know, and uh, it's crazy how, you know, you can get stuck in that. But you've just got to take action and, and know that the way that you learn is through failure, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Making mistakes. Exactly. Like if you think about musicians, well, I was like, try to make them. Yeah, thing about musicians, there was one musician who was a great bass player. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was basically given a master class and say, I'm going to use nothing but people call it all, all the wrong notes. I'm going to mix scales and do all the wrong notes, but have this groove that crosses scales and show you that if you have the intention and you have that groove, you can cross all these notes and they could be what you would think they would be bad notes, but they won't be. That's and so he went and showed that you could just go through all these things and it, there was like, there's no bad note. Listen yeah. to how I'm, watch how I'm playing and I'm not hitting any bad note. So the whole idea is like the happy accident in music yeah. is very critical. Like a lot of times we just go with something and say, hey, hit the wrong key, but then you, you recover from it. You actually say, yeah, maybe I didn't intend to go in that key. Maybe I'm a little bit off the beat, but we can take advantage of that and go a different direction. And a yeah. lot of great music was developed because we, people actually learned how to recover from what some people might have perceived as a mistake. Yeah. That actually turned it into an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so many, seems like so many products and things get created that way. You know, you think it's a mistake and next thing you know, you come up with something that's yeah, better yeah, than Viagra was, was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. They didn't intend right. to do that. It, right. You know, you know, I think some of like some aspartame, it, it was sweet and they didn't intend to even use it as a sweetener. And they're like, Oh, this thing's sweet. We can yeah. use it. So a lot of times it happens like in the engineering and people, oh, I didn't plan on doing this. And they're, oh, well, look what it does. And then you go off and do that. You know, because you got to learn to like to take recover from that kind of unforeseen thing. Yeah. And, and take advantage of it. And writers talk about like, you know, I go and do stream of consciousness. I talk to authors and I had a plan, had an outline. Then I went and did the stream of consciousness and I took the character a totally different direction to what I had planned. Hmm. And it's like, well, you know, it actually was better than what I planned. Yeah. And then exactly. like trusting yourself to kind of know that sometimes you should do that because sometimes just because you didn't plan it doesn't mean the universe didn't plan it for you. Bingo. <laughs> exactly. So true. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, it's hard to judge where you are in your life that you can accept those things because some people, you know, I think the problem with a lot of people, they, they have, um, you know, beliefs that they think are truths, but they're, they're really just beliefs, right? And so they're acting on things they think are truths, but they're just beliefs. And they might have yeah. a belief because their grandpa said, you're no good. Yeah. Right. So yeah. then it's like, you're, that's not a truth, but you, you believe it. Yeah. And then you act, you, you act that way until you don't believe it. 
Exactly. Beliefs are not good or bad. They're they're nothing. They're just beliefs. I mean, they can be good and good or bad, yeah. but they're yeah, simply yeah. just beliefs. Yeah, especially um, if they're not true, then they don't help you. Like if they say, well, yeah. you're no good, that yeah. you can never amount to anything. Ask, where did they come from? Yeah, where do you get that from? Like, yeah. like yeah. You know, so th those are the things that I think over time when you go to get to a mentoring relationship, because sometimes you need that person to like maybe you, you, somebody needs to go mind to mindset is the key because they're yeah. kind of on the edge and they know something's not right, but they can't figure out how to solve it. Yeah. So then they go to to a mentor, they go to a shaman, they go to a life coach and yeah. say, well, what is it that I need to do? Because they don't know where to start. Right. right so exactly. I think this is where it comes in to like people look at like what feels good to me. They try different things. You know, yeah. we've had tons of people on the podcast, and, you know, and every approach is right for every, everybody. But sometimes yeah. something speaks to you, that's right? It. And then they say, hey, mindset is the key. That that speaks to me. So then, like, I'm going to check that out. And that, that's how, you know, it's a personal preference. That's what people do. But, you know, that's the whole point of, like, why I talk to people. Because, you know, is is like you get different perspectives and you open the door. Exactly, yep. It's like there's a billion, you know, life coaches out there these days. And, you know, the bottom line is the guy that's, you know, I choose to work with or the guy in the next room chooses to work with and so on. It's it's like you said, it's who resonates, what feels right. You know, different personalities mesh right with certain people. And, you know, it just takes all types. It's the idea like rewiring your brain. Like I'm a software guy, right? Uh -huh. So we, we, we tend to say, well, we have to kind of like re rejigger everything. Like we have to rethink. Cause a lot of times what happens to us is like, you know, I, I was a COBOL guy who grew up in the seventies mainframes. Okay. And then servers came, then like Oracle came. Then, you know, now we have blockchain. So every time there's like some new tech that totally changes the paradigm. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to kind of rewired what we were thinking. And I know some guys are like, I'm a mainframe guy. I'm going to stay a mainframe guy. Say, well, yeah. that's fine. But the the world's not mainframe; it's going into blockchain. So what are you going to do? Exactly. Like, like you kind of have to re, re, you know, you could live there, or you could kind of decide to maybe rewire your mindset. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing; you always have to be evolving. You know, like you said, you have to adapt to the to the changes, and, and especially in tech, it changes so fast. You know, yeah. I. You know, like I said, that conscious self-creation statement, but I'm going to do something different tomorrow. I had a guy on my podcast yesterday, and he's a a software guy. He's been dealing with AI for 15 years, you know, and uh, he's worked for the biggest companies out there and been recognized by presidents. And I mean, I was fascinated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I he dropped some bombs that just blew my mind. And he, he has a, because he said uh, it was how uh, to use AI with meditation, and I was like, mm, how would you do that? I never I mean, thought about that. <laughs> it was crazy because he walked me through it. And it, it's very similar, but he he walked through the steps of like, you want to be very intentional. I think that's important that the listeners pay attention to. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in life and just go through life, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to get what life brings and dishes out. Or you can be intentional and decide what you want and then map it out. And so he talked about how, you know, to write these prompts in like chat GPT that outline, you know, what you want within 30 days or whatever it is. It could be based on a vacation, whatever. It doesn't oh, matter. Okay. Doesn't and, you know, be very specific and detailed as you do it and, you know, tell it how many words you want it to be the whole nine yards. 
AI kicks it out. And then he said, and he's done this and had a bunch of people do it. And then you read it every day. Oh, it's kind of like a meditation. Kind of like, well, I'm a Buddhist. Yeah, Yeah. it's a meditation, but you're just kind of getting that next level input to help you really define in more detail. In real time input. Like versus like what people do with like spirituality. I'm a Buddhist. Like we've initially and I shown a Buddhist. Now I read the the text that this Buddhist monk wrote, right? Back in the 1600s, right? And, but with the chat DPT, you're taking advantage of everything that's in the freaking, that's out there on the net. Exactly. So the AI goes out and looks at everything on the net and then comes up with something where when you're in some spiritual practice, (laughs) you're going, you know, what these monks or these priests or what they wrote. Yeah, their interpretation, and maybe it's a different priest or a different monk, and they have a slightly different, but it's still based on a paradigm. If you yeah. go out there to the net, you get a it's compilation. So, it's so wide, Everything. it can be crossed in multiple spiritual practices, yeah, multiple concepts that it's coming at you with, you know, not as narrow. It's probably right. a lot wider. So that's very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah that, that's a, that's an approach that would put you on a different plane because you're not a lot of people are you're in that narrow lane exactly and that's going to make it something that's more expansive you yep. know so it's going to be it, 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 that that is very interesting yeah and the thing was crazy from an ai standpoint is you know i i'm a marketer as well just for my companies but i had you know one of the guys i learned facebook ads for like eight years ago um he's had this AI course. I've just kind of blown off, you know, cause I've got chat GPT and I use it a little, but man, I was using it in ways that was so pathetic, you know, because I personally don't have that. And I hate to say that because once again, I say words are powerful and that's why I'm not creative. Cause I always say I'm not the creative guy. I'm mm-hmm. more the executioner, you mm-hmm. know, executor. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, but I decided I was out of town last week and, uh, for my anniversary. And by the way, I'm going to say this because most people will be shocked, but with everything I went through, 14 years of addiction, going to prison, losing everything, being an ass to my wife during my addiction, you know, I celebrated my 33 year anniversary last week. That's why I was out of town. But I, so I bought this course for 97 bucks from my mentor in marketing. And I was blown away. I'm only like through probably an hour's worth of content. There's probably 10 and I'm like, there's more value right there. I would have paid 10 grand for that, you know, wow. knowing what it is because of what it's done already mm-hmm. for me to know how to use a tool the right way. And the plugins that I had no idea about that do specific things. And I mean, so it's just, just this week I've implemented things that I would have normally been hiring people to do. Yeah. There's and a lot of automation. That's the whole thing. And I'm, yeah. And I'm getting there, I... done better than the professionals I could even hire. You know, and well, maybe yeah. a ton of time. Well, AI, yeah, the AI, the whole point of it going forward is that, you know, in terms of uh, giving you like a workforce, the giving a person yeah. the ability to automate, oh. you know, at a level that you would think, oh, only a big guy could do that. Only yeah. this big firm could do that. That it gives yeah. you a lot, all these automation tools. And it doesn't necessarily replace bodies because eventually th- there's other things that people are going to do. That you know, and so it does replace certain jobs, and I understand that. But right. there, but in terms of like, there's a lot of stuff that you know I do as a podcaster that I have to do all these steps. 
exactly to, yeah. to do all these automations and put my stuff all you know where i wanted to go and right. the, the ai tools can actually do that and even as a musician there are tools where like i could go into a session if i have an ai tool within my recording system and i say hey give me a beat that's like uh, something off or like uh kind of blue like miles davis uh -huh. and, and give me a drum beat that's kind of like that it will go do that yeah it's just and then, and then it was like well give me a, a Thelonious monk like bass line from this song and it will do that it won't get and it won't do exactly the line it'll get something like it yeah and then i can go and play some piano with the original over it and yeah. they say, hey, give me some settings that sound like a Fleetwood Mac Rumors album the way that the board was set there. And then it can start to do stuff like that. That, so that cool. stuff is just amazingly productive. Oh, yeah. It can help your creativity and, and allow you to do things that you couldn't have done because I couldn't afford to do those things. And now I have capabilities that I didn't have as one person. Exactly. And I was worried, kind of like you mentioned, because I've had people ask me about it. And I've frankly wondered how it would be so i specifically asked this guy you know he, he's an indian guy he came to the states he's, he lives in canada now 23 years you know but he started um writing code and stuff you know way early on and he focused on where he thought things would be going i mean he has mm -hmm. that gift in my opinion but the numbers will blow your mind and i won't get i'll get the one right as far as what the what ai is going to do in the world economy from a financial standpoint by 2030 is 10 trillion dollars he then compared what like the internet did and these are the numbers i'll get wrong i don't remember for sure but they were in the low low billions billions yeah and one was like like and then the people worry about you know machines will take over a lot of jobs but if you think of what jobs came after the internet came about, yeah, jobs all, that weren't in this world before. Yeah, there's know, all there's, types of things. Where there's a lot of jobs where people can be more creative. Yes, where there's a lot of jobs where you know suddenly you can host your own show. You could have like an eBay like company. You can yeah. be. You can go into business for yourself and do what the AI can't do. Exactly. Which is still like a human being can create an eBay shop and create a product. Yeah. AI may not be able, maybe in the future you can do it, but the human ability to be creative at that level and create like a unique piece of music or a unique product or unique whatever, that's the thing that human beings still have. Yep. Um, and they'll be able to take you from doing a, a job at McDonald's or a job at Burger King, not to put it down, but you, exactly. suddenly you, you actually you can use your your ability yep so it will free you up and you think about star trek like what where they were freed Bingo. up to do all this stuff and they were able to go way ahead it's going to have to think about the little things yep. the computer can do those things but you still have a spock exactly right? yeah that was still you know on par with what the ai was doing or beyond it but yeah you still have to have people you know yep. in the star trek world you still have to have people yep. that everything was a drone everything was a robot and it, it's still always going to have people for certain things. Exactly. Yeah. Before the internet, you didn't, you didn't, you couldn't do the quote. This is just the laptop life. Meaning there's so many things you can be a coach to do anything anywhere in the world. If you have your laptop in a sense, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I could technology. go be in Japan. 
We can, yeah, do I can be in, we Japan. be in Japan. Yeah, anywhere in the world. I, I could, you know, I could be in Brazil. I don't have to be. I'm in New Hampshire, but yeah. you can be anywhere you want to be. And I talk to people in South Africa and China and Hong Kong. Yeah. And it's just because the technology, yep. and the technology of AI can go and allow me to automatically be on, you know, multiple networks at once. Yeah. To be able to go and do my SEA automatically and, and tailor make it for the time that I'm running. That's yeah. where the AI comes in. It's like, oh, based on the time that this is on, this is the SEA that you should have, SEO that you should have. Yeah. And this is where you should be put, send it. And that's where the computer can know stuff that I don't know. Exactly. And then that's what's going to go and do and do stuff that maybe a person doesn't know because it can scan the whole net, come back with some data that a person wouldn't have. Exactly. So, so that's where the advantage is of those, those automation tools and this ability to customize things for people. So then people can have customization at a level they never had. Exactly. Yeah. So you can have something where you bought this piece of software and it's like it built for everybody. The AI of the future is that each piece of software could be totally customized, like almost to your DNA level of what who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not exactly. something people ever thought about. And it's right. like that. So that that right there is mind blowing where you could go with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's to me, after, you know, once again, we talked about earlier, it's you know, perspective is everything. We can't see what we can't see, you know. We don't know what we don't know. And so to have somebody who's an expert and so forward thinking in his world, you mm -hmm. know, that he can see it to where he can frame it to me that, man, I didn't have any fear at all. I had total excitement. I mean, of course, there can be some nefarious things. That, well, there are bad things. Absolutely. About it. But on the negative side either. that you can I don't want steal. to put the chip in me. Or yeah, yeah. The, the, just the, the other side out there, intellectual property people right. should own it right so the ai might not take uh, understand copyright laws right might not understand you know uh you know digital distribution laws and so it goes and grabs an image and uses it and it doesn't pay the person who created the image right then that becomes a problem so that's where a lot of artists are are saying like hey well you know for music we have digital rights management so if right. somebody tries to strike grab something i get it they get a strike but a lot of graphic artists have problems with AI because they'll grab stuff and because it doesn't have digital rights management on it, it uses it. Right. And it's actually some, it didn't create something from scratch. It actually grabbed somebody's work. Exactly. And so that's where, you know, if they got to get the rights management right so that artists don't get pissed off. So I, I, I do want to acknowledge to the artists out there, I do understand that issue and there are some you know negatives about that but yeah it, hopefully that all gets worked out <laughs> yeah yeah in fact there's there was a few plugins that you know i got exposed to last week that you know do do exactly what you're talking about do get you those images based on what you ask it to but once again those are on a platform you're having to subscribe to you know um, but there's obviously going to be some of those issues that you're talking about but i think that those will be caught pretty quick too and solved if you know, yeah, which what happened with like samples, like with yeah. the music industry, samples first came out there, there was no rules. Then yeah. they actually have to clear the sample, which means you have to pay for it. Gotcha. So if you're an artist and use a sample, now you have to actually pay the person who wrote it. And so if you do an album that has a hundred samples, every one of those samples has to get paid for. Yeah. Where when the people first start doing it, the systems let you do it without right. paying the people. Isn't then that what, what happens is the lawyers came in and said, "No, you got to pay the people." <laughs> was that what uh, was that what Napster was doing, giving 
free music? Is that what? Well, that Napster was? was actually given free albums. Uh, what, what I'm talking about is like when, like, if you're a hip hop artist or or an EDM artist, just using and, you're, and you're using a clip, yeah, from yeah. like a Bowie album, yep. Before the, the the lawyers got into it, you didn't have to clear the sample, and you could put that on a record, and you didn't pay Bowie. I see. You didn't yeah. pay Brian Eno. Yeah. But then suddenly the record company said, Hey, you should be paying them. And so they made a structure that if you go to release now, before you go to publish to Spotify or Apple, you have to actually clear the sample. And yeah, you have to say, true. are your, it'll ask you, are yeah. your samples cleared? If they're not, then you can't publish. So I that's what's going to happen. You know, with AI, it's going to have to do that with, yeah. the, with like other, that level. And yeah. it'll, it'll happen. But, but you know, yeah. sometimes the tech gets ahead of the lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So true. You and know, that's, that's where we are right now. It's way ahead of the lawyers. So people are like putting cease and desist orders. Yeah. What it's doing now is pe people are going and saying, hey, take Beyonce's voice and have her sing a song she never that's did. Right. That's right. And then her lawyers say, you can't do that without paying me. Yep. And so. You know that's that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, to manifest things in your life that you've always wanted, you know, is a hard thing because I think what we were talking about before is is the fear. Yeah. yeah. Like we were talking about AI, this fear about that because oh, it's going to steal stuff. It's going to take people's jobs. It's like there's always something, but like you have to embrace where, where you are at any point in time. You know, people didn't know what the net was. Yeah. You know. You know, and I grew up with like, you know, laptops back. I'm a child in the 70s, 79, 80 people, you know, laptops showed up and said, oh, these are going to be the end of the world. It's going to cause yeah. all these problems. It's going to take all the jobs away. They were talking about that back then. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> and they're like, so well, cool. not really. They became programming jobs. Yeah. You know, I, you know job as right. a business system. Think, yeah. Think of all the jobs that computers did create. Same yeah, thing. All the drones, people got to build the drones. They got to maintain the drones. Yep. You, you got you know, to be all these blue collar jobs to actually fix the drones, to fix, fix the, all, all the electronic devices and repair the robotics because stuff will break. Exactly. So, yeah. So there's still going to be jobs like plumbers or electricians. They're going to be guys that have to build, fix these machines. Yeah. Yep. Or design the machine, which is where you really want to be. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> I always tell people, learn the math, and then you'll be all right. Like The whole thing about this future is if you learn the math and you learn the exactly. logic, you'll be totally on top of it. Because yeah. if you, it's like kind of like, like in my example with Spock. If you know that logic, nobody can mess with you. Like exactly. then you can work in this kind of modern world is based on that kind of, you know, Spock type of logic. Like if you can get into that and understand it. Right. Then, then you'll be able to work anywhere. You can work in on the beach. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere you want to be. Yeah. The uh, more powerful the skill set you have, the more money you can demand, you know, it's no different than looking at doctors. The brain surgeon's going to make more than the physician, you know? Well, also you got to have people that can sell. Like salesmen oh, have always been true. around. My father was an insurance agent. And oh, there's cool. always a need for salespeople. Yeah. Because you got to sell whatever the new thing is. Yep. And so I believe the salespeople will still be heavily out there. I mean, I marketing agree. and sales is you just selling. It's like, what is the widget you're selling? Yeah. 
Exactly. It's just a different widget, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yep. That's it. It's it's fascinating time for sure. So you you mentioned that you kept your marriage together for like 33 years to all these things. And a lot of people probably like, wow. (laughs) A lot of people like have maybe less of, of, you know, other people have different impacts in their lives, but like, it was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that statement. Well, we were two years in. So when the opiates took over, you know, of course my brain chemistry changes. And so, I mean, I was, I was pretty ruthless at times, meaning, I mean, I mean, I wasn't mean or abusive physically ever. And frankly, in most part, not mentally, but you're not present number one, but basically told my brain, I believe that I didn't love my wife is what I was telling myself. You know, we knew mm-hmm. each other for a long time, you know, and we were just friends, you know, we'd go on double dates, she'd be with someone else. And I'd be with a girl I was engaged to a couple of times. And, and so when I started believing that she came home from work one day and I just said, uh, you know, I don't love you. I'm leaving. And over a 18 month period, I came and went on three different occasions, but by the grace of God, you know, I got sober and we were separated at the time. I had our second son separated. She was living her folks. I was staying at the house or first house we had built. And I was really sick with the flu and she was a nurse, but she worked at the physician's office that I had gone to since I was a kid. And of course, all of the nurses and stuff I knew. And so I didn't, I wasn't going to call there. And then she's at her parents' house. I don't want to call there. But after day 28, I'm not kidding. That movie, (laughs) 28 days and what they talk about, the fog lifting, that is Mm -hmm. no joke. And uh, that fog lifted. And, you know, that's when I got, I was sick with the flu. And so this was back when, you know, everything, corporations didn't buy all the doctors out and all this garbage. So she used to, could bring a pen, you know, a shot home. She'd bring a Z pack. She could do whatever, you know, the doctors just say no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just wanting to get a shot, an antibiotic or whatever. But I also wanted to talk to her because I was realized like, what in the hell am I doing? Yeah. You realized, and, yeah, that's your soulmate. In yeah. I was told, I believe that I was going to be cool. Okay. Being a weekend dad, you know, Mm-hmm. House, you know, if you can help that, that's not what you, you know. I, I believe in divorce if you absolutely can't be happy together. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, it takes work and it's always a battle. I mean, it's not a battle, but we're just like, different think, beings. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's like there's a lot of people get into this idea of marriage and they think it's some fairy tale. Yeah. And no. it's and like, you know what? It's like life is not like the book, right? Yeah. It, it is what it is and it's not always perfect. And people always think it's going to, you know, I think they, they think it's going to change something that was wrong. Yeah. Right. But a lot of problems where I found it when I went to therapy is, is like the things that were, like, this other person ain't going to fix you. Right? Exactly. You, you guys exactly. are going to grow together and you, you know, and each one person has their own things. If you guys are thinking that each of you is going to fix the other, then that's a problem because that's probably never going to happen. Like it's yeah. what's happened. You're going to grow together. You're going to have to fight through things together. Maybe you fight against each other, but you, you realize it's like, Hey, you know, it's not always a better roses, but it's, it's, it's better to be together 
them sitting by yourself in some you know motel. You know, right. <laughs> really, grass is not greener. You just change one set of problems with another. So how are you going to deal with those? So once I learned, you know, number one that I did love her and that um, I didn't want to be that weekend dad. Um, the craziest thing took place is this was in um, would have been in 1992. And so people weren't carrying around cell phones for the most part. There's some brick phones around, but uh, I didn't have one. She didn't have one, but she had one mounted in her vehicle. So her parents, you know, they live about five minutes from the local grocery store on a Sunday night is when I called. But of course, I didn't want to call her parents' house because I felt like an idiot, you know. And so, I mean, as a Mormon family, they don't go to the store on Sundays, you know, and and uh, she drives from their house to the store. There's a five minute gap while she's in the car. And I called that phone while she was in the car. Oh, so you got her. Yeah. And I was like, told her about, you know, being sick. And then I said, I, I don't really know what to say, but we need to talk because she didn't honestly know uh, the pill thing. Like I hit it that well. Oh, she didn't you know. know about it. Yeah. She didn't know I was abusing them day in and day out. And so, you know, anyway, she came over and we talked and, and frankly, I mean, I had been dating a girl and even though her parents are really religious people, you know, they did a drug on, you know, almost we're going on pushing 18 months. And so it's time to move on. I mean, I think my attorney, when I run into him occasionally to this day, because he's just lazy ass, you know, but I'm glad he was because we should have been divorced in that time frame. And Oh, the attorney it, was taking too long. Yeah, he's got to be lazy, dragging his feet, you know. Well, that's probably the best thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we put it back together. But then bottom line, like you were saying, it does take work. And, and but, you know, it's like anything. Why is it that we put effort in to our relationship before we're married, living together tight, you know, whatever it is, you know, you, you put effort into thinking about what you're going to do on the date. You know what I mean? But yeah, then yeah. once you're tight with someone, whether it's married or not, it, you know, it's then it's like we take the things that matter most, we love the most for granted. Yeah, so, you take it for granted. You, know, you, yeah, you, 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 you got to water it, you know? Yeah, well, you all the effort on the first day trying to impress. Yeah. Like, like, well, you know, maybe you should try to keep some of that, you know, because if you don't, then things get boring or you get bored or you, yep. you think it's like there's something, grass is greener. And it's like, you know, usually you're going to bring your problem to the next relationship. 100%. Because they usually didn't solve it and it's still inside you and it's still going to be there. Yep. And then you're going to run into another issues. And it's like, you kind of keep on chasing something. It's like, you're like, you're chasing this thing and it's not going to actually ever find it. Exactly. You're, you're not going to find what you're, what you're looking for. It's not Nirvana. Like, it's exactly. like, yeah, you, you got to find it where, where you can. And a lot of times like things are, be there's beautiful things that you just neglect or don't take advantage. Don't, don't see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's once you start to open your mind, you start to see what happen. You know, the day to day things, like you said at the beginning, they, right. those day to day things that people take for granted. It's like victory and being a cancer survivor. You're like every day that you can breathe after you survive a, a level three or a level four. Jeez, no, kidding. it's like that is like you know, people was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I like life. It's like ask a cancer survivor if they no, like life. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. what you know, song? what is it? I think it's it was it. Oh. I think Tim McGraw, live like you were dying, you know? Yeah. Take each day it's your perspective. You're melancholy. I can get it. And depression's real. Absolutely. But once you once you start to understand, like, yeah, you got to start looking at the positive. Yep. 
you know, just getting up, you know, that's something that is, it's, it's a very positive thing. The, you know, because okay. people, there were people that, you know, you, you lost your freedom. You were in jail, yep. right? So getting up and not being in jail, getting up and, and having a house, getting up and be able to go to a job. Maybe it's not the perfect job, but you, you're actually still here. Exactly. Instead and of in another world. Well, you know, you wait till you get there. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty depressed for the first few months. I know we got to wrap up, but I was depressed for the first few months in prison. And I got a letter from a friend of my mom's who I never met. I didn't even meet her till like six years after I got home. And she told me this one thing, and this is so powerful. And she said, if you, Steve, I don't know what it's like in there. I can't imagine. and I'm not going to pretend I know. But if you can go to bed each night and focus on three things that day to be grateful for, I promise you it will make a difference. And I started doing that that night and I wasn't depressed anymore because you can't be depressed when you're in gratitude. And if you start each morning, focus on gratitude. It's the best way to start. Yeah. I mean, if you can get into the mind, if you can get into reading and try to do that much as you can, you know, you can make something that felt like constraining that you can free your mind. Yeah. You know, you can actually do a lot, you know, with that, but uh, yeah, we, we do have short time. And I want to let people know again, go to mindsetisthekey.net and check out that again. Maybe tell people again what they find there. And then we'll, I'll close it off for tonight. Thank you for being on the Fam Look Go show. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, just mindsetisthekey.net. You'll get uh, access to a free ebook. And uh, just so you know, you're not going to get much, any emails after it that are trying to sell you anything. There's none of that. It's your book. You take it, use it. I just hope it makes a difference. But um, anyway, I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been fun. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. My pleasure. Take care. Have a good night. See you later.